What's up, people, and welcome to another episode of the I Am Conquering Mountains podcast. I'm your host, Charles Phillips. Have a wonderful, wonderful, strong, empowering, uh, phenomenal, and inspiring guest joining the show today. She is, she is one of the leading women in the fitness industry. If you have ever researched bodybuilding, you probably have seen her picture. Uh, her photo should be next to the definition of bodybuilding. Uh, that is how much she is impacting the bodybuilding and fitness industry. She is an international federation of bodybuilding and fitness professional as a wellness pro. She is the proud founder of the Buff Babe Academy, where she is inspiring women to give themselves the permission to step into their power and build a strong physique. She is the proud author of the Know Your Power Journal, which helps people to experience personal growth by developing and an, and an intentional plan, experiencing that plan in action and reflection for both recognition and achievement and opportunities to improve. She is the host of the Know Your Power podcast. She also runs something that I'm very proud about um, and inspired about is that she runs a Facebook support group for those who are struggling with binge eating disorder. Um, she is also one who has conquered the mountain of her own binge eating disorder as well too. And I'm excited to dive into that. I wanna give a warm welcome and introduce you all to Miss Julia Renee. Wow, that was an intro, man. Thank you, you make it all easy. You make it all easy. It's so funny, like hearing back the things that you've done or the things that you yeah. do. And it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> I do those things. That's me. So, hey, right. thank you so much for the reminder. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So one thing that I do, a couple of things that I really do appreciate about you, and I'm glad that I get to ask you a few questions today. Um, is that one is that you're not afraid to be your authentic self. Yes. Um, for those who are listening, if you tune into our podcast, Know Your Power podcast, or you follow her on YouTube and you're watching her YouTube series, she is not just inspiring with the tips and things that she gives, not just for bodybuilding, but also for life in general, as well as mental health and also binge eating disorder and things of that nature. Um, but she is hilarious. And she is a hilarious individual. She is being her authentic and genuine self. And another thing that I really do appreciate about appreciate about you is that um, you're not afraid to encourage women to break through that barrier of what society says the ideal figure of a woman is. You know, right. and that you know that that it's okay to have a buff physique. You know that you know if your husband or fiance or your boyfriend can bench press three hundred pounds, so can I. You know. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you as one of my first questions, what inspired you to want to encourage women to be okay to have a, a, a buff babe body or a buff physique? Yeah, I love that question. So the, I would say my brand is like Julia Renee, but also the main brand is the Buff Babe Academy. So the reason that I came up with the Buff Babe Academy is mm -hmm. because I believe that you can be buff and be a babe. Meaning that just because you have muscle doesn't mean that you lose your femininity. So hence buff and the babe. So you can be feminine and you can be muscular. These things can intertwine. But society has told us time and time again that these things don't go together, that the women do this and the men do this. And right. I have been told that narrative for as young as I can remember. 
And what's really cool about society now is I think that we're going in the direction of being so accepting of women with muscle and with different physiques than what you would normally see, which is so awesome. But for me, I think that this started as young as 15. So when I was 15, I was the only girl on an all boys wrestling team. So in Texas, wrestling isn't as common as it is in like, say like Connecticut or something like that. And being the only girl on the team, I was treated a lot differently than the guys were. So I wasn't really paid attention to, and I kind of understand why, but also I kind of don't. (laughs) (laughs) I was the only girl. And I think that the coaches at the time just didn't know what to do with me. They've Mm -hmm. never had a girl that was consistently on the team before. So they didn't necessarily know how to coach me, how to approach me. I just don't really think that they had experienced that before. Mm -hmm. So I think it kind of started then where I kind of felt a little neglected. I didn't do very well my first couple of years. And then I got a new coach on the team and he was like another dad to me. And he actually cared about me and he wanted me to succeed. And he brought on a, a coach who was a wrestler, ironically, in Austin, which is where I live now. And she took me on, took me under her wing, and I ended up excelling in the sport and doing really well because I was actually getting the attention that I deserved Mm because I deserved the same amount of attention as the men were getting. So I think it started as young as there, and then it transferred into bodybuilding later on where it was very strange for a woman to be in a sport like this But for me, it kind of made sense. Like I was already doing wrestling, which people were like, you're kind of weird for doing that. And now I'm doing bodybuilding. It's kind of weird. It's just like a kind of a taboo thing. And yeah, that's where I came up with the buff babe mentality, I guess, is that you can be buff and you can be a babe just because you have muscle doesn't mean you lose your femininity. That's good. That's dope. And, you know, I also can, you know, I know you talked about like women but also i think about like men and as well you know Mm -hmm. that they can be buff but also gentle as well you don't have to be this big buff monster or whatnot you know you can be a gentle giant exactly and the thing is is that when i speak about how um some men treated me i love men i do i grew up Mm -hmm. training with men and they push me a lot because they're so we're so different and i think that Mm -hmm. we can influence each other to have a little bit more of the masculine to have a little bit more of the feminine because really life is about balancing both and i think you're totally right when men are expected to be macho you can't have and i actually took on those qualities a lot at a younger age where i was hyper masculine uh Mm -hmm. female to where like i thought that i didn't have to have emotions you know everything was like you have to just you know, beat your head against the wall until you get what you want. (laughs) That didn't serve me uh, for as long as I thought it would. And then once Mm -hmm. I started adding in a little bit more of the feminine, being a little bit more gentle and vulnerable, like you said, you see on my social media, that's when people really started to respond to me. So I love that you mentioned that because life is a balance of both of them. Absolutely. So you started wrestling at 15. Yes. And you were the only girl on the team. So you, you have been competing against that narrative of what the ideal woman should be as what society says. Yeah. 
So how have you been able to like remain and stay encouraged to keep doing that when society is telling you should be doing something else? That's a really good question. I've never been asked that before. For me, I would say, I'm not going to lie. It, it's It's been a little bit hard. Uh, when I was in wrestling and I was in high school, I would say it was a little bit more hard because you're in high school. You're like, I just want to fit in. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't have to look different than my peers. And it actually took me a while to agree to do wrestling. I wasn't planning on doing it. Mm -hmm. I was going to go and be like on the dance team and try out for volleyball and be a quote unquote normal girl okay. who did normal girl things. And my brother was a wrestler and he and I would practice together all the time because I always like to say I was my brother's younger brother because he didn't have mm -hmm. a younger brother. Okay. And uh, he's the one who actually encouraged me to start wrestling. And I really believe if he didn't do that, I wouldn't be the woman that I am today. He was wow. the first person that gave me the confidence to step outside the norm. And mm -hmm. once I did, I, I just remember hitting the mat and I knew that this is where I was supposed to be. I didn't know for how long, but I knew mm -hmm. that's what I needed at that moment. So in high school, it was a little hard because you know, I get made fun of. I also did uh, softball. And for some reason, softball players also get made fun of <laughs> for being nice. like a male sport. I don't know. So in high school, it was a little difficult. But then at a certain time, I just embraced it. You know, I was like, this is the thing I do. And I ended up being super proud of it because there's so many photos of this, just me in the middle and then all my brothers <laughs> yeah. around me. And they ended up being such a good support system. You know, there was like the couple that would like tease me and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. and I think growing into bodybuilding was a different kind of beast because I remember coming home and telling my mom, mom, I am, I was a hairstylist also, which is another okay. super, super hyper feminine thing that I do. You know, my outward appearance is very feminine, but the mm -hmm. way that I act is very, you know, masculine. Right. So I, said, <laughs> I'm quitting the salon and I'm going to be a bodybuilder. And she was like, what the hell? <laughs> she really thought I was crazy. She's getting ready to check me in a mental hospital. No, um, yeah. I think the thing about the uh, generations is mm -hmm. that, it's more accepted now than it was then. So I understand Definitely. why my mom was like, you're going to get too muscular. You're going to look like a man. All of these mm. things were worrying her because that's what her generation taught her. So right. it was so normal. But now my parents are literally my biggest fans and I'm so blessed that they are. And mm. they adore the sport and they've seen what it's done for me mentally above all else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I still get a lot of comments, mainly on TikTok. There's a lot of TikTok trolls. Uh, it's like, user yeah. 515 is like, you look like a man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, for me, it's yeah. like, don't focus on that one negative comment. Right. Think about all of those hundreds of comments that your family is making, that your friends are telling you mm -hmm. to keep going. Think about those. That one negative comment shouldn't be the one that weighs true in your mind. Right. Right. And, you know, those can be impactful. But, you know, like you say, you outweigh those with, you know, all of the good that you're you're doing and all of the good responses that you're going to doing. And also the great feedback that you're getting from those who are inspired by you and what you're doing. I saw a, uh, a video that you had uh, posted on YouTube that you had like a, a women's fitness day where you had invited a bunch of women to come in and work out. How did that go? 
it was so awesome. So we did a wellness workshop. So it was for anybody that's like, it's, it's for anybody, for anyone who wants to do bodybuilding, who doesn't want to do bodybuilding, who is a competitor, who isn't a competitor. It was really just a safe space for women to get together who are all on the same mission. They want Mm -hmm. to just better themselves through health and fitness and their mindset and also be around other women that are inspiring them. Like you can do it. You can step outside the norm. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what other people think. It matters what you think about yourself. And to me, if you're Mm -hmm. doing what you love, you love what you do and you're not harming anybody, girl, go for it. And it was awesome. We had girls coming from all over Texas, some people that flew in, Hmm. To just be in this group together, we did a workout, we trained legs, of course, and we did a little bit of like mindset talk and like Q&A, and then I gave away some prizes, and it was just incredible, and we're going to continue to Hmm. do those because I think it's super important to bring like-minded people together because Mm -hmm. sometimes when you're in the bodybuilding industry, it can be very lonely especially if you have certain goals for yourself and certain expectations and other people don't understand why it's so important Mm -hmm. that it's more than just looking a certain way. It's feeling a certain way. It's, it's being a certain way in society, then it it can easily uh, be lonely. (laughs) So you went from wrestling and then you went into bodybuilding. You say you came home, you told mom, I'm quitting being the hairstylist, going to be a bodybuilder. Um, and then you started doing bodybuilding. How long have you been doing bodybuilding? I think I want to say it was either 2018, literally these past couple of years with the vid happening, oh blur. But I want to yeah. think it was either 2018 or 2019 when I told my mom I want to become a bodybuilder. I had already mm-hmm. been working out consistently for a while. And I just, I have the personality. It's like, I want more. I want more. Mm-hmm. I want more. And um, I hit a point where I exceeded the goal that I had already had. And that was to get my body back after wrestling and to just be healthy and have a healthy mindset. I had done that, but I wanted to take it to the next level. And so I told my mom that in about 2018 or 2019, sorry that there's big year gap, but, um, and then I just started going to work. I knew what I wanted. I knew what my goal was and I had been working ever since. Nice, nice. And it's good to hear that, you know, you you're, you know, you're a woman who has defined what her career path is going to be. And you're not allowing somebody else to tell you, oh, no, you shouldn't be doing bodybuilding or anything like that. Um, Because I'm I'm a school counselor. So I often have students that come to me, um, especially female students who have a certain career path that they want to go into. But then they're like, I don't know if I want to go into that career path because it's not something that my family is wanting to accept or they're not wanting to go into it. And I tell them the same thing. Like you say, like, Hey, this is your career path. Sometimes you just have to be the first to do it. And everybody that's telling, just doubting you and telling you, know that you need to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. They'll all be your cheerleaders once you get up there and do what you're doing. It's so, true. Um, it's so true. And I think that that's incredible. You know, that message that you're spreading out because whether we believe it or not, we as humans care so much about what other people think, especially our Absolutely. friends and family. And most of the time, friends and family are coming from a very genuine place of like, they want you to be safe. They want you to be secure. They want you to take the safety, secure, planned route. Right. And 
I get why, but if it leaves you in, for example, like a nine to five where you hate your life and then was it really worth it? Right. Also think about like the what if factor too. Like, well, what if I had a went into the career that I really wanted to do, you know, how successful would I have been? So you go into bodybuilding um, and it seems like with being a wellness pro, being a bodybuilder, that it it takes on a lot, not just on the body, but also mentally as well. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> how do you stay not just physically fit, but also mentally fit when you're having those days for like, you know, this is, I, I really just want to stay in the bed, but I know I got to go and work out. I love that. For me, bodybuilding always starts with my mindset and my mental health above all else. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't be able to do what I can do today. Just plain and simple. I mean, the biggest example that I give is like when you're on the Stairmaster and you are doing an hour in the morning and you have to do an hour at night, what is the one thing that tells you to stop first? It's your mind. Your mind says, I'm tired. I I don't need to do this. This isn't worth it. I don't really want this. I just want to go home and sleep and eat. And then your body stops and gets Mm -hmm. off the Stairmaster. So for me, why wouldn't you focus on your mental health and your mindset above all else? Because that is what takes you to the finish line. That's what takes you to push past those limits that most humans Mm -hmm. will never get to or think that they can't get to. So the things that I make sure that I do daily is I fill out my Know Your Power journal, which is my my daily guided (laughs) journal for anybody that's just wants to start journaling and wants to start personal development, but doesn't have like a blueprint. It helps Mm -hmm. you with setting intentions for your day. Like, why are you doing the things that you want to do? Like, it's cool that you want to be a bodybuilder, but like, why? Yeah. (laughs) And expressing gratitude for the things that you have and for the things that are going to come into your life and the things that you're drawing in to your life, Um, setting goals, checking those off, all of them. It's like a fitness and mindset journal. So I fill that out every morning. I make sure that I meditate. I take my time for myself in the morning. I don't go on social media the first hour of the day at all because I have experienced firsthand what that does to me. It increases anxiety. You know, I start comparing myself to other people. You know, they're up earlier than me. Look how good they look. They're they're on this vacation. It's like, shut up. Who cares about what other people are doing? So there's barriers that I create, especially around my mornings to set me Mm -hmm. up for success for the day so that I do follow my meal plan so that I do do my cardio so that I go and do my weightlifting session to the best of my ability. And it's just crazy when I don't do those things that I know make me feel so good. It's Mm -hmm. like my whole day just crumbles. Like when you hit snooze, you skip the gym, you start eating a burger, like it's just a spiral effect. But when you start the day the way that you want it to, and you don't let the world control you, you start mm-hmm. controlling it. Cause look, like we can only control so much. So if that's the right. case, why not take that morning to yourself and control what you can until you have to answer to your boss. You have to deal with your husband. You have to <laughs> for your kids, like whatever right. it might be, take that time for yourself in the morning mm-hmm. to set yourself up for success. And I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, you're talking about like barriers and things like that. You know, in the counseling field, we start, we call them boundaries, 
where you're putting those things in place and you're putting those barriers in place so you can get that me time um so you can kind of set aside some time for you because self-care is 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 very important mm -hmm. you know and i often tell my students the same thing like hey yeah you got to do x y and z but you also got to have some some boundaries with those friends as well too very so I'm, I'm i'm very glad that you you brought that up and you also brought up another point that i thought was very important about the mind as well when you talked about like you're on the stairmaster for that hour and the mind is telling you to quit i like i'm starting this four weeks like i've been doing the the bodybuilding exercises for the for four weeks now mm -hmm. um last week was an off week because i started a new job but we're not gonna count that one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's been four weeks and um i've had four surgeries in four years um wow. i had i tore my both rotator cuffs i had a back surgery i had my gallbladder taken out so now i'm i'm able to kind of get my body my body is now ready to kind of get back into working out and stuff and i was a former athlete basketball and track um but and i'm doing those uh trying to do the ex workouts where you're going to failure yes and it's like i know i got more reps but my mind is telling me uh-uh not right it's, it's like, so like, true stop. So like, how do, do you, like even in life in general, you know, when you're having those things where the mind is telling you like, no, don't do that, but you know, you got to do it. Like, how do you push through those moments? Yeah, I love that. And I always, my, um, I guess, red flag to know that I'm just bullshitting myself. So say it's like cardio and I wake <laughs> up and I start negotiating with myself. If I ever start negotiating with myself, I'm like, well, maybe I'll do it later. Maybe I'll stay <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes. That's my red flag that says, mm -hmm. oh, you're trying to quit. You're trying to break this promise that you made to yourself. And what mm -hmm. happens when you break the promises that you make to yourself? You lose confidence in yourself. You lose trust right. in yourself because you said you were going to do something and then you mm -hmm. don't do it. And then now you feel bad that you didn't do the thing you said you were going to do. And then mm -hmm. that just brings you in a lower vibration constantly. And if you do that on repeat, your confidence level is going to plummet. So mm -hmm. for me in those moments, when you first start, it's going to be like pulling teeth. And right mm -hmm. now I'm going to be honest. I have zero motivation to eat right to go to the gym because I'm not competing anymore. And it's like, mm -hmm. for me, these are the hardest points for me to not slip back into my binge eating patterns to mm -hmm. just quit working out. Cause it's like, sometimes you're just like, but why, why should I do it? So yeah. right now this is perfect that we're bringing this up because this is how I feel right now. Every morning mm -hmm. when I wake up, it's like, I don't want to do this. So if I start negotiating with myself, that's my first red flag. Okay. <laughs> you got to go and do this thing because yes. you're you're not tired julia you're not incredibly sore you're just making up stuff to convince yourself and justify mm -hmm. why you shouldn't go like my brain will be like well i i did i did train legs really hard yesterday <laughs> yeah. i i probably need another hour of sleep so you start even trying to trick yourself into yeah not doing the thing that you know you need to do. So first, that's what I do. And then second, it's that five second, I love Mel Robbins. If you haven't listened to Mel Robbins, she says that there's like a five second point where you need to make a decision before you try and convince yourself to not do it. So okay. we've all done that thing where we hit the snooze button and 
there's that point where you can make the decision to get up or you don't. But once you hit snooze, that's it. Like it's like you're in yeah, the yeah. you're probably not getting up again. So it's making those quick decisions. I have literally like shot myself out of bed so quickly just <laughs> to like beat my brain. And this is what Mel yeah. Robbins always teaches is just like, you got to move, you got to go. So stop yeah. negotiating. Number two, stop thinking about what you need to do and just do what you need to do. Mm. And all of you have the capacity to do this. You just think that you don't. And those mm. thoughts alone are causing you to stay in the same patterns that you know are not working for you. So mm. it will be like pulling teeth at first and then you'll see it starts to get easier. You start right. to be more confident. You start to love to go to the gym. So all of these things are it's just mostly it comes back to like you just have to do the thing and then yeah. there's like tactical tricks like oh you snooze your alarm put your phone across the room so that you <laughs> yeah. have to go into it you know you don't like going to the gym buy yourself a cute outfit so that you have to wear it to the gym like there's little right. things that you can do too but it's all about just beating your mind right that's dope like i feel pumped up i'm ready to go to the gym right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you have brought up um your binge eating disorder mm -hmm. So when did you first learn that you were kind of struggling? You had a, a struggle with food. Mm -hmm. 2020, the magical okay. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in 2020, I realized that I struggled with binge eating and that my eating mm -hmm. patterns weren't normal. And I dove into my personal development and my healing for two years. So from 2020 till 2022, and I still actively work on it. You know, when I'm mm -hmm. in my Facebook groups, I'm not in those just to encourage people and to bring people that struggle together. I'm there because they help me. Right. And um, so I've been on this journey from 2020 to 2022 of healing. And I've done a lot of personal work of just like learning, working with people. Mm -hmm. And it ironically all stems back to wrestling. So mm -hmm. if you guys don't know anything about wrestling, it's a lot similar to bodybuilding as far as dieting down to a specific weight. Bodybuilding is different because it's like dieting to a specific look, but I mm -hmm. have been restricted, restrictive eating and binging since I was 15 and I'm now 25. So that's mm -hmm. 10 years of the same pattern mapped in my brain. Mm -hmm. And just like you wake up in the morning and you just, you like drive to work and you don't even know how you get there. It's because it's just mapped in your brain. So this right. pattern of eating has been mapped in my brain from 15 to 25. So I would restrictively eat because I needed to make weight at 15 so that I could compete. And then mm -hmm. I would go to my mom and I was so hungry and she'd have all this food waiting for me. And then I would mm -hmm. replenish all of it. And I would eat a lot of food at one time thinking mm -hmm. that this was normal. And then again, nobody teaches us how to diet when you're a wrestler, which I think is also a problem. Yeah. So once I realized that I was like, oh my God, I've been doing this for so long and this isn't normal, but it was my normal. Then mm -hmm. that's when I started going into like, how, how can I fix this? I got books. I listened to podcasts. I hired a coach and now literally it's one of my favorite things, actually the favorite, most favorite thing that I do as a part of my business. And I do it completely free. Nice. So you started 
working with a coach and like what kind of advice did they give you as you were working through um, or starting that journey to try to conquer that binge eating disorder? Mm -hmm. For me, I think it started first from a place of understanding why, mm -hmm. like why this happened, how this happened. And that's when I realized like, oh my God, I've been doing this since I was 15 and I've been doing it it started with wrestling and I was like, and then when I started bodybuilding, it just mm -hmm. reignited that flame mm -hmm. from when I was young. And for me, I think I thought of almost quitting bodybuilding when I realized that I was like, maybe mm -hmm. bodybuilding is just making it worse. I should probably mm -hmm. quit. And I was like, but this is the thing that I, I know I was put here to do right. at least for this time. So the thought of quitting felt like, quitting on everything it felt like yeah. quitting even on my binge eating disorder because for me i need the challenge of something to get me to heal so this okay. isn't how everybody heals but i've used bodybuilding to help myself heal mm -hmm. and like i said not everybody's going to be able to do this there's going to be people right. that need to like take that time take that break but if i take that time and i take that break i give up that's mm. what I do. I have to have something to focus on so that I can grow past it. So that was the one thing is realizing like, why do I do this? Where did it come from? Mm. And then really researching and figuring out and understanding the brain. Cause like mm -hmm. I was saying before, this is something that I have mapped in my subconscious for so long. And once I realized that, that there's actually science and logic behind why I do what I do it made me feel less weird. I felt like such a weirdo for such a long time. I was like, how can I struggle with portion control, with eating too much, with eating an excessive mm -hmm. amount of calories? How, like, I felt weird for struggling with something like this. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, I was like, oh my God, my brain is just, it's just been doing its job. Its job is to map patterns. And I've been right. doing this pattern for so long of course, this is what it's going to be. So now it's just how do I unravel this pattern that I have built up for such a long time? Hmm. And it takes time, but yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up about like the patterns as well, too, because you know our childhood does play a huge role in the things that we do later on in life as well. Um, and you brought up like patterns and things of that nature because I've noticed with my own uh, struggles with binge eating as well mm -hmm. as that. So I come from very humble beginnings. There was a lot of childhood trauma that I experienced. Um, we would, we move by the time I was 18, we had moved 18 times. By the time I graduated college at like 23, it was in the thirties, you know, it was domestic violence. There was child abuse, neglect, stuff like that. And thinking back because now i'm at a point now where i want to gain control of those eating habits now um and dieting and 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 that portion control size that you talked about as well but thinking back food was always something that was secure you know mm -hmm. when we were moving or the lights were getting cut off and stuff like that we always had something to eat so we never really went a night hungry it was dependent on like it might not have been what we wanted to eat yeah. however <laughs> but um, like my mother used to like have to go in the deep freeze and peel out an old thing of ground beef and like kind of scrape the mold off of it. But we always had food. So whenever I and I have a social anxiety disorder as well, too. So whenever I get anxious, I always resort to food. Mm -hmm. So now I'm recognizing that about myself. Um, and also looking at you did a video about 
your five tips for uh, stop binging? How do you stop binge eating? Mm -hmm. And one of the tips that you talked about really stood out to me. You said that, um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like staying in your place, like sitting there yeah. wherever you are. The floor is lava. <laughs> the floor is lava. Right, right, right. And um, I actually tried that and it worked. Yeah. So it was Monday actually, and I had just finished eating. And usually when I get done eating, I'm going right back to the refrigerator or to the cabinets and I'm just scarfing food. I said, let me just sit here for a minute until this floor is no longer lava, until this, this, until this desire goes away. Let me just sit in this for a minute. And then I started watching TV and next thing I know, like I had forgot about eating, you know, I so. Love that. that makes me so happy. And yeah. just to give people like a little example, like this is, I just have so many tools and tips and tricks, like how to hack mm -hmm. your brain so that whenever this does come up, I'm like, okay, what can I get from my tool belt? All these different things. Mm -hmm. You know, and I have little funny names for them. But the one that he's talking about is called the floor is lava. And so what mm -hmm. tends to happen with people that struggle with binge eating is they have a trigger that comes up. Maybe they get angry, lonely, anxious. That's my biggest one. Mm -hmm. And they have the urge to binge because like we said, it's just mapped in our subconscious to binge when we're X, feeling X, Y, and Z. So usually that happens like when you're on the couch, it's late at night. So that's when you can implement the floor is lava. So you're sitting there, you're having this urge and you just sit there and you pretend the floor is lava and you sit there for five minutes. And what that does is it gives your brain a chance to pause. And I always tell my people in my group that mm -hmm. the main reason that you go from urge to binge so fast is because we don't take that moment to pause mm -hmm. at all. We just go from feeling to action. So this gives you that opportunity to pause. Okay, the floor is lava. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit here for five minutes. And then after that, if you still binge, at least you did something to try and get yourself to pause. It's not about being perfect. Right. It's about trying. Mm -hmm. So what will happen in those five minutes is what you realize. You get distracted. You stop over-obsessing <laughs> about what you want to eat or what, what to do and mm -hmm. it kind of goes away. So that feeling that strong urge that feels so hard to get over starts to diminish. And then you're like, oh, okay, you know, it's not that bad. You know, it's right. like you get heated in an argument and you're like, oh, and the person's not around and you're like, fine, I'll just go and walk <laughs> somewhere else. And then right. you're like, okay. I'm sorry. I kind of, I acted irrationally. It's a yeah. similar feeling, you know, you give mm -hmm. your, Give your body that chance to pause. That's the biggest part. And I feel like that can be applied. Like, I'm glad you brought up that correlation with like being mad with somebody because I feel like that strategy, the floor is lava, can be applied to so many different things, you know, not just with, you know, binge eating, but, you know, there's someone struggling with any type of other addiction or people who are struggling with impulse control when they're, you know, getting angry and, you know, instead of lashing out or hitting something or hitting someone, let me just pause for a moment and just sit here, dwell on this for a minute and then try to find my way around it, you know, to exactly. kind of get through it. So I love that. Most of the things that I, uh, that have worked for me and that I like little tools that I teach other people, you can, mm -hmm. like you said, you can use them for anything. Mm -hmm. I have a girl that's in my group and she is actually addicted to alcohol. So she's mm -hmm. had an alcohol addiction for a long time. And she's like, 
Julia, a lot of these things help me because <laughs> yeah. it's a very similar pattern. It's like that addictive quality. You know, you mm -hmm. feel a certain thing, you go straight to alcohol, you get mad, you go to alcohol. So right. these tips can be used for anything They can get you to do an action that you want to do. Another mm -hmm. one is one that can be used for binge eating or just negative thinking in general. And it's called control, alt, delete. So mm -hmm. control your emotions alter your thinking, delete negative thoughts. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just getting you to pause and to be the thinker of your thoughts instead of mm -hmm. letting your thoughts run amok in your mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It gives you time to like self-assess and self-regulate too, you know, where you have this issue. And even like, sometimes we can find ourselves responding to a certain situation and not know why we're responding to it. So if we're doing that control alt delete mm -hmm. and we're processing it, why is this an issue? How did this become an issue? It can kind of help us to self-assess that, find that where that problem started, but then also self-regulate and find that solution too. So yeah. those tips and strategies are, are phenomenal. And I feel like they can be applied to everything that we struggle with. Definitely. Definitely. So you talked about um, your your book, uh, mm -hmm. your journal, Know Your Power. Where did the idea, the title of Know Your Power come from? Yeah. So the Buff Babe Academy and the Know Your Power have been with me since I started doing what I do now. So mm -hmm. I have never wavered from that ever. And the reason being is because it is just so impactful for me. So not only do I believe that you can be buff and you can be feminine, I do believe that most of us are walking around life not truly knowing how powerful we really are. Right. And like, yes, it's a cute saying, like, you're so powerful. And I have my little light over here for my podcast. Yeah. But once I realized I can, I'm literally the creator, the artist, the sculptor mm -hmm. of my life, everything started changing for me. I had the power to do anything that I want to do. If I want to quit my salon job and become a bodybuilder, I can do that. I just have to have the confidence and the belief mm -hmm. in myself. And we have the power to change anything that we want to change, right. you know, whether it's physically. And for me, it started from a physical place. You know, most of our fitness journeys will start from a very physical place. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I was like, I have the power to completely transform my life from being somebody that was just negative, was just mean. You know, mm -hmm. I, I completely stopped caring about my health in general. And I was just feeding my body and my mind so many negative things. Mm -hmm. And I had the power in me to change that all along, but I just continued to sit in my own shit. And once I discovered that I could do that with my body, I said, okay, well, what else do I have the power to change? Mm -hmm. I have the power to change my impatience. I have the power to change my relationship for something that is negative to something that is positive and something that is thriving. You know, I mm -hmm. have the power to change all these aspects of my life, but I was depowering myself for such a long time. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important for me because I constantly... I, I meet so many people from around the world and people in gyms and stuff mm -hmm. and I hear them depowering themselves with not only how much weight they can push, but how their body looks, you know, mm -hmm. things that they want to do that they think that they can never do. And I'm like, mm -hmm. 
you are so much more powerful than you're giving yourself credit for. The mm-hmm. world deserves to see you for all you are. Mm-hmm. So that's why this phrase is so important for me. And eventually it'll be tattooed on my body. And <laughs> yeah, on my body mean a lot to me. Because <laughs> yeah. that's impactful. That's powerful. I often tell my students um, and people in general that, you know, you might not be able to control the obstacles you go through. Mm-hmm. But you do control the outcome. You know, the slogan that I have for my brand is be the outcome because we all have these things that we want to do and we all have these things that we want to aspire to be. Yeah. However, there's challenges that we go through and those challenges can make us feel like we're inadequate or that we can't do it. But you do control the outcomes so and be the outcome that you want to be and inspire to be. I love that. That's so yeah. awesome. So you bringing up like the know your power and you know, not depowering yourself, but empowering yourself. That is very valuable feedback, um, especially for a lot of people, because we we often can have these like negative thoughts of what we can't do. And we have these goals that we want to set and that we have for ourselves. But then we kind of like depower ourselves by telling ourselves that we can't do it or this is going to happen if we try and it's not going to work out. So how do you keep yourself empowered when you have that goal and you want to accomplish that goal? Um, but you're having those negative thoughts come in. Yeah. So I'll use my, the biggest goal that I have right now as an example. So my next big goal, I'm constantly writing them down. That's for one. Um, and the biggest goal that I have right now is to qualify for the Olympia. So to be on the Olympia stage, which if anyone doesn't know, it's like the Olympics of bodybuilding. So that's my biggest goal. So everything that I do right now is helping me get to that goal. So the way that I, is it, was your question just how do I stay empowered to do that when the negative Mm -hmm. thoughts are coming, right? Okay. So like, let's, let's like peel it back. Like for example, right now I'm struggling a lot with motivation. So I need to get over it and just do the things that I know that I need to do in order to be Miss Olympia. anyways, even if I'm not motivated to do it. So I'll have a little thought, like I'm going to be Miss Olympia. I am Miss Olympia. Mm. Like I use those phrases, like I am, I have, these are things that are coming to me and just don't know when they are already Mm. mine. They're just, they're coming at the universe at God's timeline, whatever it might be. So I'll start, Oh my God. But like, what if I'm not not good enough? What if I'm too small? What if my posing is off? That's what will happen once you start dreaming big. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're like, I want to quit my nine to five and I want to start my own business. But what if I don't have enough money? But Mm -hmm. what if my family thinks I'm crazy? That's like our instant thought is thinking about a number of things that can go wrong instead of what can go right. Right, Once we think of all the things that can go wrong and why it's not going to happen and blah, 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 we start manifesting that into our reality immediately, especially Mm -hmm. if we think it, but more importantly, especially if we speak it, it has so much more power and weight. So every single morning I write in my know your power journal, I am qualified for the Olympia. I am Mm -hmm. Miss Olympia. I have X, Y, and Z. I am going to be interviewed or I I am a guest on X, Y, and Z's podcast. Mm-hmm. All of those things like I have, I am. These things are coming to me. I'm doing the work necessary to get myself there, but it's going to come to me eventually. Right. And that, ta- that helps to challenge the 
to change the per perception that we mm -hmm. have. Like you mentioned, like our perception is our reality or how we speak things becomes our reality. You know, but when we shift that perception from I can't tie can tie mm -hmm. am and I have, mm -hmm. it makes us push a little bit more harder to get to those things. It makes us even believe that we can accomplish those things too. It's so true. And like, mm -hmm. I have been using this formula for such a long time, like this, mm -hmm. we can call it manifestation, whatever you want to call it for such a long time that it's like wild how crazy it works. And it's basically mm -hmm. just like step one, write down, say out loud, put it on a mirror, the thing that you want, exactly right. what it is that you want. So for me, like a little example, I am Miss Olympia. That is mm -hmm. very specific. Like I am not first place. You know, I'm not second place. I'm not third place. I'm first place. I'm in the middle. This is what I am. And then step number two is like, okay, so how can I actually put this into reality? So for me, I visualize myself with gratitude as mm -hmm. well. So I'm visualizing myself. I'm on stage. I'm looking exactly how I want. My hair is great. My posing's on point. I, my body is perfectly lean. I'm full, but I'm shredded. I can hear the announcer say my name. I can see the stage lights and just like mm -hmm. the very, like so detailed that it's like I'm there. Yeah. And then like the fine, and then also like the gratitude aspect that I'm there on stage and I'm so grateful that I've made it to the Olympia stage. Like, wow, I am here. I'm feeling that. And what's crazy, your body will actually start reacting to you visualizing mm -hmm. that. The amount of times that I've cried visualizing something that hasn't happened yet is yeah. real. <laughs> and then the third aspect, you actually have to go to work. Like you have to be right. intentional with what you do to get mm -hmm. you towards that goal. So like eating burgers every day is not aligned with being Miss Olympia, you know? Right, right. So, you know, it sounds all woo woo, but there's also the like, okay, like you got to do some shit mm -hmm. to, to be Miss Olympia or to have your own business or to start your podcast. You know, you have to act like that thing mm -hmm. or that person that we want to be. How right. would Miss Olympia act? What would Miss Olympia mm. do today? You know? Yeah embody that person even though you might not be it or feel it right now you're well on your way to being that it sounds like you know when you're saying that you're envisioning yourself saying that you know i i am miss olympia you know you're not just the person who won the competition yes. but you are vision envisioning yourself being the ideal image for miss mm -hmm. olympia that you know and i kind of feel like when we, we envision those things and we have those goals that it becomes a part of our identity. You know, that, and like you said, it becomes what we, not just what we, how we think and we act, but it becomes our entire lifestyle. You know, yeah. that as, as you mentioned, like Miss, what does Miss Olympia do? What does she eat? What does she wear? What does, how does she, what podcast is she on? Mm -hmm. You know, envisioning those things. And there's a philosophy, educational philosophy where you talk about, it's called understanding by design where they are speaking about the same way you're speaking, where you're showing what the goal is, that's the destination where you want to get to. And mm -hmm. then you go back and build the steps to get there. But then you got to go back and actually start putting in the work, you know? Mm -hmm. So for somebody who is starting, you know, their bodybuilding journey, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like a lot of times when I've gone to the gym, I'm looking for results in the mirror. 
you know, yeah. it can be <laughs> discouraging when they're not coming like 30 seconds after the workout. So mm -hmm. what are some things that somebody should look for who is starting their fitness journey? I would say as far as like physique, yeah, physique, uh, like improvements in the, the weight room and in the exercise and stuff like that. I would say definitely. I love that you mentioned that, like, you kind of like you go to the gym and you come home. You're like, am I am I big yet? Do I have muscles yet? <laughs> yeah. And I definitely did the same thing. And like, I still do that. Like, I'll train legs. I come home. I'm like, are they bigger? Yeah. It's good to me, I always like to say we live in the Amazon society where mm. we get things delivered to our door same day or next day. And we expect everything that we're wanting in life to do the same. And mm -hmm. fitness is not like that. Starting a business is definitely not like that. Um, having a good marriage, definitely not like that. Anything mm -hmm. that is going to be worth it and precious is mm -hmm. going to take time and patience and a lot of work. So bodybuilding is definitely one of those things. And I don't want that to discourage you because that work to get to that stage or to get to the pro card or to get to the Olympia is the most rewarding part of it. Mm -hmm. That work, those struggles, those hours in, the times on the Stairmaster, that is the crap that I'm going to remember the most. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, yeah, the end goal is cool, but if you can't learn how to, not experience, but appreciate that journey, those hard right, parts, right. then it's not going to be worth it. So for me, when you're first starting out, like getting it in your head that like this ain't going to happen fast, like just, right. it's just not. Um, but there are markers that you can do that help you stay motivated, that keep you mm -hmm. excited. And I think it's one of the things that people don't do is they don't track their progress. And mm -hmm. this can be measurements. This can be photos. I always say scale is like the last thing because like mm -hmm. you might build muscle that month and your weight goes up and you're like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> yeah. But you just gained two pounds of muscle. Like, dang, that's right. awesome. So doing body fat scans so that you can see not necessarily like the body fat, but like how much muscle you're putting on and like if what okay. you're doing is actually working. Um, so the scans, measurements, photos, it might be hard for you to take measurements and to take photos at first because you're maybe a little bit insecure with your body. You're just like, oh, this is awkward. But trust me, your future self will thank you. You'll look back on that and be like, damn, I yeah. did that. <laughs> so tracking and even importantly, tracking your progress in the gym. So how mm -hmm. much am I lifting this week versus next week? You know, have right. I progressed in my squat since the first day that I did squats? You know, if you're going into the gym and you're doing the same old weight that you know you can do because it's mm -hmm. comfortable, then you're not growing. The same thing with your mindset. Like if you're just reliving the same patterns or dating the right. same shitty boyfriend, you're going to get the same <laughs> result. You right. have to change in order for things to change. So same thing goes with your muscles. Like you got to mm -hmm. break them down. You have to force them to grow. Right. And if you just do 15 pound dumbbell curls every week and don't try to do the twenties, then you're mm -hmm. just, you're doing yourself a disservice. So tracking progress in all of those aspects is definitely number one. That's something I started doing as well too. Um, looking at not just tracking the, like tracking my workouts and stuff like that and my eating and things of that nature. Um, but seeing how 
many more reps I can get, or am I hitting a, a, a larger weight? You know, am I uh, deadlifting more, or can I curl more? Um, how many more reps can I do, and things of that nature? So that's something that has been keeping. <clears throat> I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that's been keeping me encouraged. Because mm -hmm. when I first started working out, you know, I was coming off of the uh, rotator cuff surgery on my left shoulder, and I had been sitting down for so long with the surgery and then I went in the gym and I'm like, Dick, gosh, I got weak. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm going back into the gym and my strength is coming back. I'm lifting more, I'm lifting heavier. Um, and I feel good, you know, and it's in encouraging that I'm able to see the weight on the, um, like the bench press or leg, leg extension, leg press, stuff like that starting to go up, you know, so that I'm glad you brought that, that piece up. Yeah, people worry so much about the scale going up. What about mm -hmm. the weights going up? Like yeah. that's really cool. Like when you go up on a squat or like or a bench press or whatever mm -hmm. it might be, a deadlift, like that is such a great feeling. Just yeah. as like the there's the great feeling of losing two pounds on the scale. Like they're yeah. both to me equally as gratifying. So mm -hmm. why not track those things like strength? Right. And that's, that's, that's big. I'm glad that you have brought that up as well, too, because that's something that has been keeping me going and encouraging mm -hmm. me to, to keep going. So um, one last couple last questions is for today's younger generation, because I'm a school counselor at the middle school level mm -hmm. for today's younger generation. And we've talked about, you know, the mental health aspect and things of that nature. What advice could you give to the younger generation um, who may be experiencing some hardships or where they're trying to set those goals and they're telling their family about those goals, but they're being discouraged? What advice would you give them to stay encouraged? Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> I mean, just being true to yourself is all that you can do. You know, like mm -hmm. there's definitely going to be those moments where your family doesn't really want you to do the thing that you want you to do. And like I said before, you know, it comes from a place of like worry for you. But at the end of the day, if what you're doing is truly calling to you, you're just going to have to go with it. Um, granted, there's times where, you know, you are living under your parents' roof. And <laughs> yeah. Necessarily like I'm moving out. I'm going to be my own person, even though we've all had that moment when you're like, I'm moving. Yeah. And you're like, wait, I need you because you're my parent and I have no life. Right. How am I going to eat? I know I can't. <laughs> like to a certain extent, you're you're going to have to listen to them for certain things. Mm -hmm. But for example, like when it comes to making those decisions, whether you are going to go to college or not, or you're going to go to trade school, whatever it might be, ultimately yeah. that's up to you. You know, right. and there's going to be a lot of people in your ear telling you what you should do, what the safe route is. And look, let's just go with the general population and what they tell you to do. And that's to mm -hmm. graduate high school. You go to a college, you rack up a ton of debt, and then you go and you work at a job that you absolutely hate that your parents actually told you to do. And then mm -hmm. now you're in debt and you're unhappy. And look, right. that's not everyone's case. Some people love doing that. And I'm happy that there's people that love doing that route. That just mm -hmm. wasn't for me. I knew that from a very young age. I was like, I ain't doing the college thing. I suck at school. <laughs> I'm not doing that. So I actually went to trade school and went to beauty school. So I yeah. went the completely different route. And I had people tell me, it's not safe. You should go to business school just in case, you know, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. And I was like, but I just know 
that's not going to be for me. And look, I'm I'm not even doing hair anymore. I'm not even yeah, right. doing <laughs> that I went to school to do. Yeah. So just because it's definitely a, a to an extent, but yeah. when it comes to the decision making, really go with what your heart is telling mm -hmm. you and like get a job, get off social media. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> for real, like <laughs> yeah. the youngest that you can work, please work. Get mm -hmm. your own money. Show your parents that you're responsible, that like, I can do this thing. Like, mm -hmm. this is what I want to do. If you're like, I want to be an influencer, mom, dad, but they don't <laughs> see you actually like doing anything to get to that or to work towards that. Why would right. they trust you? Why would they believe you? Right. And it's, I feel like your path is definitely uh, a blessing, you know, that, you know, guys definitely use you in a lot of ways as well, too, to inspire people because you brought up like the trade school route. But even though you're not doing hair anymore, that also taught you how to kind of like be your own boss as well, too. You it's know, I so feel like true. I never regret going to trade school and doing the cosmetology route and becoming mm -hmm. a hairstylist for two years because that taught me how to communicate with people like my bosses mm -hmm. when I worked at the salon helped me so much. You believe it or not, but I'm very introverted. That's my natural mm -hmm. tendency. I am a homebody. I don't like to go. Yeah do anywhere, do anything. I just gym and that's it. But being in that space where you literally have to talk to people day in and day out, yeah. Yeah. client after client, it forced me to grow. It forced mm -hmm. me to talk to people, to meet new people and to start conversations just out of the blue. And weirdly enough, I ended up combining my two skills, which were creativity and athletics. So mm -hmm. I'm a bodybuilder and mm -hmm. now there's the creativity aspect of it, which is my podcast, my YouTube channel, my social media, which I love. And then mm -hmm. there's the athletic standpoint of it where I have that discipline. I have that drive and that grit right. to get the things that I want. And then like, weirdly enough, I do my own hair and makeup for my clothes <laughs> and I save a lot of money. So like, right. it, it ended up working for me in, in the long run. And I don't think I would be where I am today if I didn't choose that route. Right. Right. So no, no regrets on that. No, path. no regrets. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So if somebody wanted to um, like look for you on social media or reach out to you, how could they do that? You can find me almost everywhere. TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, which I'm never on <laughs> at uh, Julia Renee, J-U-L-I-A-R-E-N-E. -E. And I'll make sure I post the links to your social media and also to your book oh, um, as well, too, when I post the episode. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Miss Julia Renee. You are a phenomenal and inspiring individual. I'm so proud of the work that you're doing. Keep letting God use you. This is the I Am Conquering Mountains podcast with Miss Julia Renee. Like I said, if you have thought of bodybuilding, her picture probably has come up and she is truly inspiring people to know their power and live in that power. So I want to thank you for joining the show today and I greatly appreciate you. Amen. Thank you. I'm very grateful for you and to have met you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Absolutely. Hang on while I stop the recording. Okay.